0: To the D the Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years. And now, live, it's time. Har will right, we'll go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts him Walks in.
1: Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for
0: the JT The Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with uh, us all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. Gets
1: the handoff, busts toward the end. Jackpot, baby. Pinion Drake takes it home.
2: Here's your
1: host, JT The Brick.
2: JT with you as we open it up right here on Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 9:20 a.m. and on the Raiders mobile app. Come on in today for Bobby. I'm in studio. It's been a very busy day. I was up real early in the morning when I usually don't get up real early in the morning to watch the Brian Flores uh, press not press conference his appearance on CBS this morning, which was a big deal, and that was the big story that broke as I wrapped up the show. As I wrapped up the show yesterday, we talked about the lawsuit and Brian Flores filing the lawsuit the information being released and that is a it's about a big of a topic that I've covered in 25 years of radio potentially potentially and I also talk about the Gruden emails potentially being one of the stories biggest stories that we've ever covered and they're both filed and they're both coming at the NFL so let me repeat that now as we open up the show the NFL is dealing with the John Gruden lawsuit and the NFL is dealing with the Brian Flores lawsuit. The NFL is saying both of these lawsuits were brought without merit. Really? Okay, so they're both brought without merit. I find that hard to believe. But again, what happens is when you are fighting a multi, multi, multi billion dollar league, you have to have buttoned up information. To go after the league and get a settlement, because the league doesn't want to go to court. The league won't just want to settle. And when it comes to this and other sports, what could happen here ahead of the Super Bowl that could make this story bigger than the Super Bowl? Let me say that again. How big can this story get, starting this morning, all the way to Super Bowl Sunday, a week from Sunday, that could really put the league? in a tough spot PR-wise. So this is not going to go away. They're not going to have a settlement with Brian Flores in two weeks. This is just the beginning here. But what happens next? And now that I've seen the lawsuit and I heard the interview today, and we're going to play some of it here in the opening, now you can react to it because I'm not going to open up my phone lines with people saying this happened if we don't know what happened. I mean, come on. That'd be ridiculous. Someone saying, well, I think the, co- the owner said that we'll tank games for hundred grand. Now that Flores said it on TV, we can talk about it. So yesterday was a big day for us. We had the first, I believe, radio interview with Josh McDaniels. I want to get to that here also in the open. And then what happened there. So Josh McDaniels getting hired is a massive story around the league because the league and the insiders that I've talked to have said, wow, the Raiders really feel like they're doing something different here, which is kind of cool because the Raiders – Al Davis, dating back to him, he did it his way. Mark Davis continues to do it his way. He's the owner of the team. I'm ownership support. Always been. I'm not hiding from that. These are the guys that I've worked for. I support the owners. And I'm good friends with a lot of the players and coaches. So Mark Davis is making a transition in Raider history to try to put together the perfect package. He wants the GM and the head coach to work together, get along be friends, and build this Raider team in Las Vegas to a level where it's competing for championships. I haven't talked to one person who doesn't understand that. Now, I've talked to some listeners who don't like it. They like Rich Passaccia. They like Mayock. They like Reggie McKenzie, Jack Del Rio. That comes with the program. I get that. But I haven't heard from one Raider fan that says, I don't like the idea of this concept of putting together coach and GM from the same journey Coming here, working together, and they want to do great things together. That's really the big takeaway of the last couple of days. And why? Why were they chosen? I don't know. Brian Flores wasn't chosen. Look what's going on with Brian Flores. Jim Harbaugh wasn't chosen. Jim Harbaugh is doing some bizarre, like, today's National Signing Day. Michigan has one of the best classes, and he's leaving on National Signing Day to go to Minneapolis and interview... For the Vikings, does that mean he was in play with the Raiders? Were the Raiders not interested? I do not know. That's a conversation I have to have with the owner or other people. But I think Mark Davis was targeting Dave Ziegler, and along with Dave Ziegler was going to come Josh McDaniels, or maybe it was Josh McDaniels. But I really believe Ziegler is the key to this story now, to reevaluate the players on the Raider roster, work with the head coach, and decide who's going to stay. And there are a lot of fans who are triggered by this. I mean, there are literally fans that believe that they have a right to pick the team more than the GM. I mean, that's what's crazy about Raider Nation. You love everybody here, but Raider fans are like, well, no, 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 no. That's not allowed. Oh, really? It's not allowed? You're a fan. I'm a radio host. It's allowed. The owner and this new ownership here with Mark Davis leading it in Vegas, they're going to make the decisions, and it's our job to get in line. If you'd like to get in line with a voice, pissed off, you can get in the line. There's plenty of room for you on the line. If you're right behind the owner and you want to see this work out and you're optimistic, we want to hear from you. And if you don't have an opinion on this because you want to wait, that's probably the smart thing to do. Just wait, but we can't do a radio show with you waiting, right? I can't do a sports talk show every day where people are like, oh, let me get back to you in two weeks. We have to do show right now. So what are we going to lead with? I'm going to lead with my interview with Josh McDaniels from yesterday when we talked about what happened in Denver when he was very young, 33 years old, and the Denver mistakes along the way before he came to Vegas.
3: Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I, I really tried to take it slow. And, um, you know, when I stepped back uh, after my first opportunity and really tried to digest, um, you know, what what did I do well, what did I not do well, uh, why did we fail? And I tried to really kind of systematically go through that and figure out how I could grow and what I needed to do different. And then I then I tried to implement it and tried to put it into action. Uh, and really, you know, had a number of years here recently with New England, uh, with our offensive staff, with our offensive players, uh, to try to go ahead and put that into action and just gain confidence and who I was, what I believe in, and how I would do it the next time. And, um, you know, there's been opportunities uh, that I've, you know, either had an opportunity to interview for or or what have you. And it just, you know, it never, never totally fit what I was looking for uh, until this weekend. And so um, I learned a lot over the course of this process, the last 10 or 12 years. Uh, and I feel like I've really matured as a human being and and I'm ready to I'm ready for this challenge and I'm excited.
2: All right, so that's a really big takeaway and he was on National Radio again today. He was on SiriusXM yesterday on NFL Radio. And it seems like Josh McDaniels right out of the gate is telling everybody what he learned from Denver. Really important. That's part of what he wants out. He wants you to know about this. It's really don't look at Denver anymore. I'm not looking at Denver anymore. He was 33 years old, he's 45. If we looked back in my life from 33 to 45, wow. I I don't want to look back on it. And I got kids who are 20 and 18. So when someone fails initially, and there were some good things that he did there, but when you fail with your record and you lose your job, he ended up going to St. Louis. He learned there, and it seemed like he changed. And fortunate enough, Belichick brought him back in. I want to talk about a guy who was loyal, Bill Belichick. You know, you get fired from a job, something happens, come right back. I love that about Belichick. Come right back. You're part of the family, and we'll get you a job again until you get the other job you want. And that's the takeaway, that McDaniels is so good as an offensive play caller and working with quarterbacks that Belichick was like, Are you serious? I don't have anybody better than you. Come right back in. And Josh McDaniels won six Super Bowls. Six. I watched all those games. And what I'm going to try to do here over the next couple of months is figure out what we saw in all those games with the Patriots that he liked to do that he can do with the Raiders, right? We're all trying to figure that out. Waller, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. But I all believe it starts with the offensive line. It's got to be the offensive line or he's got nothing. I mean, what, what can you do without a good offensive line? Derek got a lot out of this offensive line. He really did. So I asked Josh McDaniels yesterday why he took the Raider job now. What was Why did he have to now take this job, no longer wait and take this opportunity in las vegas
3: well i had mentioned yesterday that it you know i I had tried to be patient um and i've tried to learn from all the experiences uh that i've had in my career and uh kind of knew that you know I, i was you know gearing gearing up for maybe one more opportunity if i was so fortunate to get one um you know and and what did that look like what did that opportunity look like and when when I was given the opportunity to come here and and meet Mr. Davis and see this organization and hear their vision of what they're looking for um it really fit with with what I was looking for uh which is just a commitment to excellence you know in every area uh they they're a first class organization they do everything right and the people that I've met since I've been here I've been so impressed with everybody in this in this organization in every area and um, they, they have a team that, you know, you have an opportunity to win. This is a team that went to the playoffs, um, you know, and they have an opportunity to build something special here, and uh, that's what really struck me and um, couldn't, be, couldn't be more honored to, to serve as the head coach of, of the Raiders.
2: All right, so I thought that was a really buttoned-up great answer by the new head coach of the Raiders. So this is why he chose this opportunity. I think it's a great opportunity. I'm pro-Vegas. I would not move to Minneapolis if the last radio show in the world was left. I don't have to feed my family anymore. We're good. If the last radio show in the world was left in Philadelphia, I would not take it because I wouldn't move to that town with those dirty, stinking, green, drunk birds because that's my lifestyle. I don't want to live in Philadelphia. I think part of what Josh McDaniels told us as I'm reading through my interview with him is that, yeah, this is a great time for me and my family 10-win team, brand-new facility, brand-new stadium, really good quarterback, great defensive edge rusher and Mad Max, all this stuff, yeah, this is a good fit. We should welcome him for that. Okay? Of course he's getting an enormous amount of money. He's getting power. He's a head coach again. But I don't know. I don't think Josh McDaniels would have took the job in Carolina. I'm sensing he, didn't want the, he wouldn't take the job in Minneapolis. I'm sensing, and I don't know him, I'm sensing he loves Vegas, and it's a good opportunity for him, which is what I was led to believe the entire time. Build it and they will come. East-West Shrine game, Pro Bowl, NHL All-Star game, Marc-Andre Flory, Josh McDaniels, whatever way you want to go, you break ground in Vegas, all of a sudden Bruno Mars has a residency. All of a sudden, oh, yeah, I'll do a residency here. Carrie Underwood says, I don't want to do a residency in Nashville. I'll do it in Vegas. So the Vegas pull I think helped get these two gentlemen. Now they gotta win football games. One more from him on Belichick. This is important from the press conference about Belichick and the influence he's had as the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders.
3: There's a there's a long that's a long list. Um, look, he's he's been I'm I'm, I'm I'm as I mentioned, I'm blessed and fortunate to have had the experiences. That I have. Um, I started in personnel, you know, back in 2001 when Laura made quite quite a bit more money than than I was making, and um, and and just he he made you develop in every area as a as a professional in this environment, and gave us the opportunity to see the scouting side, gave us the opportunity uh, to work on. De- I had the opportunity to work on defense, you know, then flipped me over to the offensive side and and had me. Um, you know, coach the quarterback and kind of I saw the game, you know, in a lot of different perspectives. And I was able to, you know, what I felt like was that's a really well-rounded approach um, as you're growing up in this game to have some understanding of what is the grading system? What does it mean? Um, How do they attack us on offense when you're on defense? And then flipping it over to the offense. And, and understanding that and then, you know, tying it all together with situational football and game management, um, which is obviously a critical component to winning every game in the NFL. I mean, you, you lose a lot more games than you win uh, in this league, and if you can do some of those things really well, obviously that's going to impact your opportunity to win. So, um, there's so many that I, I couldn't name them all, but, I mean, uh, you know, he just – he gave me an opportunity to be well-rounded coming out of the organization. Uh, and I'm very grateful for that.
2: All right, so very important on Bill Belichick. And I am all one of, I'm one of those guys who always embrace Bill Belichick coaches because they always win. Now, not all of them succeed as head coaches. So what? W- what do you think? They're failing as head coaches because they work for Bill Belichick? That's ridiculous. Some of them are failing because they're taking the worst job in the league. <laughs> Does everybody get that? Matt Patricia went to Detroit. Detroit's terrible. You go to Detroit, you're not going to win. Now you get an opportunity for his most accomplished assistant of all time. Belichick's number one most accomplished assistant of all time is Josh McDaniels coming to a 10-win team. Seems like a pretty good fit compared to him waiting for a two-win team. Now look what happened to Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. It's a two-win team. Now they're in the Super Bowl. That's a hell of a job coaching, we would all admit. The guy took over the worst team in football with terrible ownership. Mike Brown's a terrible owner. This awful owner. They're in the Super Bowl. That sets the bar pretty high around this place. I mean, it wasn't like Cincinnati was 10 win, 10 win, 9 win, 10 win. Now they're in the Super Bowl. They had a couple of good drafts. I don't know much about their free agency. Mixum was there, Jamar Chase was drafted. You know, and they brought in some players. Their offensive line stinks most of the time I watch them play. They're in the Super Bowl. They're in the Super Bowl because they threaded the needle on the quarterback, Joe. They got an amazing kicker. Follow me here. We got a pretty good kicker here. Great kicker who wins games for them. They got a really bad player in Eli Apple. I mean, he's terrible. I'd say he's worse than Arnett when Arnett was here. Remember how bad Arnett was? Eli Apple was like a lot worse than Damon Arnett. Fact, not fiction. Eli Apple's now knocking balls down in the red zone and making plays. That's coaching. That's coaching. So that's what's happening with the Bengals. Can it happen to the Raiders? And one last thing. I am not privy to goals of the coaches. I don't know what these coaches' goals are. But I know the fans' goals. I would say back off. Back off what I'm hearing on every radio show on this channel. We got to win 12. If we don't win 11, we're done. Oh, my God, what a bad decision. It's not how it works. These new guys have come in now to put their hands on this organization. It is not over the next six months where they're going to get hired or fired. It's over the long term. I'd like to see them win. I think they're going to win. I'm behind it. I think you're behind it. But what is, what is your vision? Like, what do you think is going to happen? I showed one of my buddies the <laughs> – we, we were out. It was the night I went out, name drop alert, name drop alert. It was the night we went out with Jesse Pinkerton, Aaron Paul, who plays in Breaking Bad, the actor, he was out here promoting one of his beverages. I'll just leave it at that. And one of my buddies was talking Raiders, and I just opened up my phone and I showed him the schedule. He know on the stool. I go, how did you not know this was the schedule? The dates aren't announced yet, but here's who we're playing, home and away. And he's like, whoa, whoa. I go, don't look. You don't have to give me how many wins. But the Raiders got a really tough schedule next year, brand-new coaching staff. And a lot of the players aren't going to be here. Another big wake-up alert. A lot of guys are not going to be here. The coaches aren't here that we really liked and gave a lot of credit to because new coaches are here. They're going to bring in their own players and the players that they want to be here. And there's going to be a number of them who stay. There's going to be probably a few head scratchers. And then a whole bunch of new guys coming in. And they're going to have press conferences telling you why they brought them in. And then the draft and what they're going to do via free agency. So that's where we're at. Everybody, we, it's a new day in the Raider Nation. I don't know where you are. I can't take the temperature of everybody. But it seems like people are understanding what the plan is. As long as you understand the plan, then you could kind of put together a phone call on what you like or don't like about the plan. But you haven't gotten enough information in my interview and in all these national interviews yet. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are not going to give us what we want. The future of the quarterback. What's the contract look like? Is this guy coming back? They don't want to give that to us now because they're not prepared to do it. They're in the evaluation process. So I'd like to know what you think over the last couple of days. You heard the GM. You heard the owner. You heard the coach. You should all have very strong emotional opinions right now about where you are emotionally with this. If you want to have me walk you off the ledge – If you want to have me talk you through it, whatever you want to do, we're wide open here before we go to the Super Bowl next week. 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town. You know Golden Entertainment owns the Strat, Arizona Charlies, 64 taverns and bars in this town. Big company. They fuel the monologue and have confidence in me every day delivering this content when we come back uh the brian flores comments from earlier today we'll tell you all about that jt back with you as we continue on a beautiful day today i don't know if anybody's thought of golfing the wind is insane i've been out here a long time what's it blowing out there wind almost knocked me down today on the dog walk love the dog walk in the morning no phone no phone no one interrupting. Walking the dog for a half an hour in the day, my peaceful time of the day. Then it gets kind of busy here, and we get through everything we have to cover, and then I do it again at night, 7 to 10 p.m. Next week, we are live from Radio Row in Los Angeles at the Convention Center. I think Q's going to be there Sunday and start Monday. I'm going to get in sometime Tuesday through Friday, and we're going to have some great coverage. The guests we're lining up are incredible. A lot of Raider alumni and Hall of Famers and then other newsmakers. Speaking of newsmakers, Ben Volen is going to join us next hour. He just got back to me from the Boston Globe. He knows Josh McDaniels really well, Brian Flores, who's in the news today, and everything that could be happening with these Bill Belichick text messages. And that's where we start off with Brian Flores from CBS This Morning, Earlier today, as he was alerted by his mentor, Bill Belichick, in some text messages about the direction of the Giants.
4: Brian, I'll start with you. Last week, you interviewed for the head coaching job for the New York Giants. What happened leading up to that interview? Uh, before we get into that, I just want to say thank you to, uh, you know, I've received a lot of uh, calls, emails, text messages uh, in support of what's going on. It's been a tough uh, 24 hours, I would sure. say. Um, so to everyone who's uh, reached out, um, obviously family, and uh, I just want to say thank you. Of uh, course. I just want to say thank you. So last week um, I interviewed for the Giants position. Um, I was set to interview on Thursday, the, the Monday prior. Uh, before, before I interviewed, I received a text message uh, from Bill Belichick saying congratulations on the Giants, essentially a congratulations on the Giants job. It um, uh, was a little bit of back and forth.
3: Um, we have the text messages here on the screen, yeah, there was
4: Go some ahead. back and forth and some confusion uh, because, yeah, you haven't sat down with the giants yet. I have not sat down with the giants. There so was some back and forth. And uh, I just uh, I asked him, is this are you talking to the right Brian? Mm. Um, and uh, as you you've seen them through the text messages, he was actually uh, uh, thought he was texting Brian Dayball. who they ended up hiring. Yes, sir.
2: All right. So that's a big deal for a couple of reasons. First off, he's playing he's showing the world Bill Belichick's emails. Wow, if I'm a new owner and I want to hire someone, I don't want to know. I I don't want my coach saving my text messages and then putting them on CBS this morning. This is interesting to me. He had no problem putting Belichick out there, the greatest coach of all time. That shows you how serious Flores is on this lawsuit because the Belichick text messages, if I'm Belichick, I'm like, that's my private text message. What are you doing? And Brian Flora is probably saying, this is what I have to do to sh- expose the Giants. So let's stay on the Giants with the sham interview, which all all people, not African-Americans, all people should be offended by this. I don't care if you're in an interview to be a CPA accountant, to work at McDonald's, to be working at a hospital, to work at a radio station. If you go into an interview and they know they're not going to hire you and put you through that process, This is what a sham interview definition is.
4: So at that point, did that make you feel knowing that you were walking into an interview where a decision might've already been made? Uh, It was a range of emotions, uh, humiliation, uh, uh, disbelief, um, uh, anger. Um, I've worked so hard to get to, to, um, to where I am from, uh, in football to become a head coach. Um, Put eighteen years in, in this league and it was uh, uh to 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 go on what was going to be a what, what felt like or what was a sham interview i was uh i was hurt
3: and, but you uh, went knowing that you probably weren't going to get it I why did. why did you continue to go
4: uh i think uh, i i there's still hope maybe it's called it called the audacity of hope um and uh i, I was you know, I have a belief that, you know, there's good in people. I, I just do. Um, we and, uh, knew he
0: wasn't getting that job. At, on the day before that, that Giants interview, we, we reached out to you, CBS, to, to, yeah. bo- to all of you, to, yeah. to start talking about doing this interview today because we knew he wasn't getting the job. We knew it was a setup. We knew they were just trying to comply with the Rooney rule. We started drafting the complaint,
2: and, uh, and here we are. That's incredible. Set up a trap. Set up a trap for the Giants. Basically said, we know through Belichick's text messages that you're not going to give him the job. We're going to send him in on the interview. So Gail King, who was also anchoring, really asked an important question. Why'd you go on the interview? And they told us to trap the Giants and catch the Giants in a trap. Now the Giants are in trouble, along with the Dolphins. So the sham interview must stop with the Rooney rule. And it should have stopped years ago. There should have never been a Rooney rule. It should have been every owner as progressive as al davis which wasn't the case hiring minority candidates and the best people available the nfl got to the point and said no we can't do this anymore cuz they're just not interviewing black candidates they're not hiring black candidates so we have to put in the rooney rule should have been the al davis rule al davis is the one that started all this being inclusive so now we're sitting here in 2022 and they're sham interviews for black candidates oh my god how is that possible How do you not interview the people you don't want earlier in the process than at the end? you got to be pretty stupid to fall into that trap. So that's how the Giants are involved with this. So I think the Giants are going to lose multiple draft picks. You know how many draft picks they have here at Bellagio, Lake Las Vegas? they got two high draft picks. That's a big deal. I'm the first one to predict on the radio. First guy to predict on the radio, those Giants' high draft picks, they're not going to be there. One of them is going to be taken away. If if Goodell does this right, he's going to go to the Giants and say, no chance you're going to Vegas with two high first-round picks. We're taking one. I believe that's going to happen, so hold me to that. So the sham interview, and again, for all of our listeners, you know how inclusive this show has been forever. All of our listeners, I want your opinions on this. But if you are an African-American listener to my radio show, you should be appalled today that everything that the NFL has done by putting end racism on their helmets and in the end zones, everything that we went through together, all the people I interviewed during the George Floyd incident of the summer of last year, all the storylines that we covered, and we're dealing with this today, and it looks like, because it just looks like, it. I'm not going to say the allegations are true, that's what a judge and a jury are for, but if the owner of the Miami Dolphins verbally told Brian Flores in front of another witness to tank games on purpose for a $100,000 bonus per game, he will lose the Dolphins. He's out. There's no way he can recover from that. He will not be suspended. No, suspended would have been John Gruden. Let me bring Gruden back into this. A suspension could have been fair to John Gruden. Never defended the contents of the emails, nor would I ever. But that was something that was, I think most people said, you suspend him. Six months, a year, Sean Payton was out of the league for a year for Bounty Gate. This is more serious if you believe, and I do, suspend him for a year. But no, with Steven Ross, there's no suspension. He loses the team. You take the Dolphins away from him because that is a gambling issue, and now the NFL is in bed with gambling. So you cannot have an owner saying, lose on purpose. I'll give you a reward, and then it affects the line and the game and the outcomes of games. That's a Pete Rose integrity issue. He's out. So that's what's happening now. Man, isn't that a lot to cover? Isn't that a lot to cover on Brian Flores? And a lot of people have been saying, well, why would he do this? Why would he torpedo his career? I told this to my son because he's an African-American and he's offended. And he is deeply offended. And you should respect anyone who's offended, but especially an African-American in a sport who is getting treated this way after the league is supposed to make sure this doesn't happen to minority candidates. I am appalled by this. Now, I'm not saying that this is Stephen Ross did this. He's going to have his day to talk and go on the offensive with this to clear his name. But what a bombshell that affects the entire league because it affects the coach who should be coaching. Brian Flores should have been announced as a head coach about a week ago. Maybe two weeks ago. There's still openings, and he doesn't feel like he's going to have a fair shot at it. He doesn't feel like he's getting a fair shot. My last point, because I want to get out to everybody, because he turned down the owner in his opinion, turned down the owner from losing on purpose. The owner hated him after that, so he got fired with the winning record, and now he can't get a job. Oh, my God. You better believe that's a lawsuit. If I was an attorney, I'd want that lawsuit. If you can connect the dots, I just don't know what their next play is. How are they going to prove that Stephen Ross said this? You can't prove it unless you have audio or a corroborating witness who could step up for Brian Flores. Let's get out to Raider Jay from the Bay. Hello, Jay. What's happening? Go ahead. What's happening, JT? Doing well. What's happening? Well,
1: I got a beautiful girlfriend in three years. She's African-American. And her mama and me, we talk sports. And she is pissed. And, by the way, her first cousin is Joe Mixon, so we had a little battle there for the first game, the wild card game. But all forgiven. But you know, when you only you have 75% African American players and you only got one African American coach, the system's fractured, bro. They need to do something about it. You know, I don't want to get too much on this right now. I was already talking to my girlfriend about it, but uh, I wanted to get to the Josh Daniels hire and Ziggler. I haven't really gone in depth and did my whatever research on these guys. I know Josh Daniels, but I know the GM dude. But I like him. Kind of reminds me of a Gordon Gecko type. I like mm. the stuff he said. And you know what? This is New England West now. You got to embrace the coaches. I'm, I'm Hey, you know what it is? Groundhog Day. Do I want to rebuild again? Do I, did I want Basaccia? Yeah. And if you're not going to go Basaccia, I wanted Harbaugh. And I think Harbaugh's a jerk. I really don't like the dude's personality, but he's a proven winner. His percentage is, I think, 71%. You know, he got the Niners' three NFC championships, and he gets, you know, that hard, you know, he plays that hard-nosed football. But, hey, water under the bridge. we got to ride with Josh and ride with Ziggler, man, and you know what? They come from winning backgrounds, too, but they haven't been a coach, and my dad, you know, I'm close to my pop like you are with yours, and me and my dad, 75% of our conversation is football or sports or whatever and Raiders, and he said Josh Daniels ditched out. On uh, the Indianapolis coach right before they're going to hire him, I think he was in the building.
2: Yeah, he was. He did. he turned the job down. He went back to, he went yeah. back to Boston. Went back to Belichick, and he committed. And he didn't like the fit, and he walked away from me. Got a lot of heat for that. He got a ton of heat for that, and that's part of the process of him learning now and what he's doing here in Las Vegas. He was a coach that a lot of people wanted, and he wasn't ready at that point. I don't know all the details about that, but I covered the story, and it's all about now saying that he is more mature than he was at 45 years old now, and he's up for this bigger job, bigger task of leading the Las Vegas Raiders, but all of this is part of his past, and people have been talking about it. Kevin is in Canada, our Canadian brothers to the north. Go ahead.
0: Hey, JT. How are you doing, my friend? I'm
2: doing good. Thank you.
0: Hey, I just want to say I've been a
5: Raider fan since 1978. I'm 52 years old.
2: Uh,
0: we've
5: won three championships, and I haven't won one since I was 13 years old. We've been to one Super Bowl in 39 years. I'll take whoever they got as long as they get us somewhere into the playoffs. I just want to be good. I don't want to be great. I just need us to be good. I'm tired of all the losing. So I'm I'm all about this new change, a new regime. It's all about the Raiders.
2: Nice. I mean, you should be happy. The, te- the team won 10 games, but... It wasn't fulfilling because they didn't win a playoff game. So you got to win playoff games. you got to do what Cincinnati did. And I don't want to make it that's the bar. I don't want this taken out of context that Cincinnati's the bar because they're not. The bar is the Patriots and what they've done with winning all their Super Bowl seven of them, six with Josh McDaniels. That's the bar that you want to get to or at least shoot for. But the new Cincinnati bar is pretty interesting. You go from two wins to the Super Bowl. You go and beat a number one seed in Nashville, the Tennessee Titans, and then you go into Arrowhead, the rival of the Raiders, and you go beat them, and you dominate them in the second half. That's a team, and this team beat the Raiders twice, Cincinnati. So, Demond, you watch the games. What do you think of Cincinnati now? You know, I don't. I don't think they're going to be sustainable with the Joe Burrow is going to be good. Just like I don't think the Chargers are going to be sustainable every year. They're not going to go to the Super Bowl with Justin Herbert, I, but. This is impressive what the Bengals have pulled off.
1: Oh, it's very impressive, and it shows me with the right quarterback and the right weapons around them, yeah. you can make it to the Super Bowl just like with a little bit of luck, you know, getting sacked nine times and still winning the game, tremendous against that Titans game that they had, but this has been an incredible run for the Bengals, and it just shows when you, when you hit on the quarterback, hey, the sky's the limit.
2: Great point. You got a quarterback that can win and make plays under duress, you can go to the Super Bowl. Jeff Hostetler, Trent Dilfer. I'll go down the list. Phil Simms isn't in the Hall of Fame. He he had one of the greatest Super Bowl performances of all time. Phil Simms wasn't athletically anywhere near Mahomes, Herbert, even Josh Burrow. You can win the Super Bowl with a very good quarterback. The Raiders have a very good quarterback here in-house in Derek Carr. More than capable of winning the Super Bowl. 901 Raider, you're up next on the flagship. Go ahead.
0: Hey, hey JTA, DeMond, how's it going? Good talking to you guys. Good
2: talking to you. Thank
0: you, uh, uh, oh, about the Brian Brian Flores, uh, as an American first, who happens to be of African descent, I I'd rather rather uh, re- refer to myself as an American. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need the adjective. But this is not new to us. <laughs> I mean, we, most African Americans should already realize the Rooney Rule. While the intent was excellent, but we know their, uh, uh, uh we know that owners they got their own little clip and it's it's like somebody referred to it as a mafia family and they're going they're going to skirt the rule uh, we know that america is about money and from the lessons that we learned during the civil rights movement here in memphis and i was part of the sanitation worker strike back in 1968 when dr king was here and he got assassinated we didn't get change until you impacted the bottom line mm-hmm. With boycotts, and, and so until you start affecting the the bottom line for these owners with some type of of action, labor boycotting where it's really impacting and hurting their pockets, you're not going to see any change unless you start getting African American owners. And so, so you know, this is not a surprise that it happened. Um, the same thing happened to Kaepernick a little while ago, just a different different series, but the ultimate situation was the same. He threw himself and his career on the sword for a just cause. Brian Flores has done the same thing. I hope that he gets another opportunity. Lord knows he deserves it. But, you know, this is not a surprise. This is America. we got to face facts. And America is about money and greed, and it's going to ultimately be to the downfall. Hopefully, we start putting the value of fairness above the bottom line, and that's when we'll see things change.
2: Excellent phone call. Thank you for that phone call. Fantastic. Best one of the day. You know, we're not good in this country boycotting. We're not. We're very lazy. We're a very lazy country when it comes to boycotting. And I was on the radio, Michael Vick dogs. Oh, my God, there's going to be 10,000 people. No, it was like 11. No, no, we, we're terrible at boycotting. Martha Burke, women can't get into the Masters. Oh, there's going to be a boy- There's no boycott. We're lazy. We, we lose our attention on everything. So no one's going to boycott the NFL. I don't. Advertisers could. But fans, fans love the NFL. We just had the greatest playoffs of all time. Brian Flores, if these allegations are accurate, why wouldn't they be? Why would he go on TV and lie? Why would he involve Bill Belichick and show the world his text messages if he wasn't humiliated? Humiliated to the point where he had to do this. That's the biggest story leading into the Super Bowl on Raider Nation Radio. JT, back with you as we continue on here, getting you ready for the Super Bowl on Raider Nation, 920 a.m. And we bring in Jeff Sherman, as we do every week, the vice president of risk management over at the Superbook at the Westgate. And, Jeff, thanks for your time. Let's begin and review the championship games. And we'll start off after Buffalo and Kansas City the week before. What was so intriguing about this Cincinnati game, the second half, and the way they played defense and how that changed the game?
5: Well, oh, it was crazy. It was a repeat of the game that we saw just a few weeks ago in the season when Kansas City went to Cincinnati, and they got shut down in the second half in the same way this one. So, uh, you know, Kansas City was up 21-3, let Cincinnati back in, and uh, you know, like I said, we just saw that happen a few weeks ago.
2: What was the end game like for Cincinnati coming out of halftime after they stopped Kansas City when Kansas City didn't get points?
5: Yeah, I think we're as high as uh, 19 right in that range on the Chiefs on the end game. And we did get some dog money on that, so it was pretty fluid.
2: All right, let's move on to what we saw in the NFC Championship game. Also, the Niners in that game, after the Kittle touchdown, had a 17-7 lead. They were in cruise control. The turnaround in that game from a gaming perspective.
5: Yeah, it was it was crazy. And, uh, you know, I think the Niners let the Rams back in it by not letting Debo Samuel get involved in the fourth quarter there. And so... I think we got as high as six and a half on San Francisco on the end play. We saw some dog money on that one, too.
2: I think about this, Jeff, along the way, what Jimmy Garoppolo was able to do and the problems that he has late in games. A lot of 49er fans feel like they're there, they're in the hunt, they're in the game, they're in the playoff game late, and then there's a Jimmy Garoppolo play that takes them out. It could be a Super Bowl against Kansas City on the overthrow or in this game that late interception.
5: Yeah, the interception. There's also you know, coaching questionability, too, not going forward on fourth down. So <clears throat> it wasn't all on him. There's a lot of things that happen.
2: Well, Jeff Sherman's our guest. Walk me through that with Kyle Shanahan because what was fascinating about that play is they pull their best player, Trent Williams, to come around on the right side and they don't even run behind him on third down. They run up the middle and get stuffed, and then they take their time there and they don't want to go for it on fourth down. What were you thinking at the book at that point in time in the game, with all that time that was left, Kyle Shanahan surely thought his defense could get a stop and get the ball back.
5: Yeah, well, the Rams challenged it and gave the 49ers more time to yeah. to think about going for it and, and draw up a play. And it was surprising that they went for the punt, and that changed the complexion of the game, too, uh, along, along with the dropped interception that should have been had just a few plays before that. So, um, But not going for it on fourth down, I thought that was a mistake. I mean, if they played... To not lose the game instead of to win the game,
2: Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate. So, let me know minutes afterwards, and when you guys set the line for the Super Bowl, walk us through. I think our listeners will be fascinated with you and your team, and Jay Cornegay, and everybody behind the scenes at the Westgate. How you initially looked at your opening Super Bowl line and where it's at today?
5: Yeah, you know we we do it in a group text, and we're between three three and a half. We decided on Rams three and a half and fifty one. So we got that up as quickly as we could. Uh, we took some. Initial support under 51, and the line has crept up. We got to four. We're currently four and a half, which most of the market is, and we're expecting to see more Rams support. So it's been trickling in on that side. Uh, we've received some Bengals money line at plus 175, but that's what you usually tend to see in the Super Bowl is favorite money and then dog money line money at the plus price.
2: Jeff Sherman's our guest. So let's talk about your expertise, too, the Vegas handle. <laughs> on the Super Bowl with the Super Bowl bye week back in the day when you didn't have the Super Bowl bye week, and now with that extra time for gamblers to think about the line and really get their money together for this bet, where are you now on this, and what do you expect to be the really big push next week?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty similar to where we were at last year on it, and we're expecting more of the same. It really doesn't matter the matchup. It plays a little bit into it, but we keep expanding our betting menu for the propositions. Uh, You know, we're well over 400. We're working on those today. We started yesterday, and we'll have them up by 7 p.m. Pacific tomorrow night. Uh, and we keep growing that menu each year because the interest keeps growing. So as long as we do keep doing that, then our, our handle will keep going up.
2: Yeah, I find that fascinating because gamblers out there, especially new gamblers, love prop bets. But you would think a lot of the money goes into just betting the game and the spread. But with the prop bets here, what is that like for you, putting them together? There, there's so many you put up there. You've got to know some are going to be bigger than others. What are some of the top two or three from last year?
5: Well, you know, one of the things we've been doing are variations in the quarterback's touchdown. So, you know, usually you'll see on a, on a weekly basis two-and-a-half or two, but we do one-and-a-half, two, two-and-a-half, all the way up to three. So that's that's what a lot of the props do is have, have variations of, of options to, to wager on the same player. And we keep getting deep. You know, you have the player receiving yards, receptions. Mm-hmm. Will they score a touchdown? Will they score a touchdown in the first half? It just keeps getting expanded player by player like that.
2: And do you like the quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Stafford, in regards to prop bets? And these guys can put up big numbers. But, again, we've seen Stafford go in and win some games, not throwing much. And then we can see him get explosive late in games. And Burrow was down 21-3. to And he didn't do it with a lot of big bombs. It was a lot of passes underneath.
5: Yeah, well, these two quarterbacks are a lot better than if we had had Garoppolo in there from a prop perspective. So it's a good matchup and, uh, you know, it gives us a lot of ability to have, to, to expand on that perspective.
2: Uh, Jeff, finally, from the NBA perspective, I was thinking about you last night I was on and I'm watching these games and all the stars aren't playing now. And I saw Antetokounmpo play well and win. And James Harden's upset because Kyrie doesn't play at home, but he plays on the road. And then the Warriors last night was interesting. I got a lot of texts during the game about Steph not playing and Clay and Draymond and the effort that they did, even though they won. I don't think they covered, but that's another example of you and your team right before tip-off having to see who's available, who's going to play.
5: Yeah, oh, that Warrior game was interesting yesterday because yeah. the Warriors opened up a two and a half point favorite, ended up closing as a six point dog and one by four, so they covered every number on that game and you know large move on that. But that's what we deal with on the NBA on a daily basis, whether it's you know players, multiple players, the COVID aspect. So we're always keeping up on that, and mostly through Twitter.
2: And what was the, yeah, that's interesting. I was I was just going to ask you. So you guys are sitting back taking a look at that number from 2.5 to minus 6. That's when the Warriors, when you're finding out who's not available, the stars aren't available, and the line moves kind of violently.
5: Oh, yeah, there's no question about it. And it keeps going until you get to the right number. And obviously at least 5 was the right number, but it was readjusted 5 points. But when you have uh, the multitude of stars out for a team like that, It gets accentuated, and you have to keep moving quickly through the numbers.
2: you got it, Jeff. We'll talk to you next week from Los Angeles. Maybe top ten props that you have. We'll have some fun with all the gaming, what's going to happen at the Westgate. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, JT. There's Jeff Sherman, who does a great job, vice president of risk management over at the Westgate. So all the prop bets are really unique because a lot of my friends like to pound the props early. So he says they're all going to come out tomorrow night. Here's what I know to be true. The best of the pro gamblers, the sharpest, get on those props right out of the gate because they know they have an advantage. They feel that they have an advantage over the books who are putting up these props because what do the books know? Not everybody's Jeff Sherman. So you can see a prop bet at a certain book and say, they got the wrong side of that. I'm jumping on that one. And then that could move the line. So watch out for that tomorrow. If you're a prop bet, better. You might want to go in quick like the sharps. You might want to sit back and see the line move, but it's going to be wild here. And more and more people are gambling online. I think it's the the 1.2 million that have signed up in New York, New York alone, on all four different major apps to get involved for all the bonuses, the free play, all the reward points. It's the Wild West. Everybody's now signing up for apps, putting 3 grand in and getting 3,000 in free play thinking they could take the money out. No, 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 you got to bet it. And if you can bet it for a while and win a little, you can take it out again. But you get reward points and you get free parking and no resort fee. This is crazy now. If you are a professional gambler, this has got to be the heyday. They're basically giving you money to gamble for free. As these companies, some of them are out of their mind, and their costs just to bring new customers in are so expensive, but they believe in the long run you're going to lose so much, that they're gonna make money on you. That's what they think. They'll give you three grand. They'll give you a hotel room in a different city, and eventually you're gonna start feeding them all your money. So that's why the pro gamblers are the best at it, and they barely win. It's wild. I can't. All the conversations I've had. I got a meeting at two fifteen today after the show, in that verse, and everybody's just talking about getting into the space now. Everybody's got to get in because FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, Caesars. They all have war chest of money to try to get this thing going. But then again, you see what happens to Win. Wynn gets in there, starts spending money all over the place, and now they're done. Sell everything. Get me 40 cents on the dollar. This is a very dangerous time in this industry, and only the smartest of the smart are going to figure it out. Bet with your wallet, not with your head. You can only bet with what you have in your wallet, not with what you think you have in your wallet. You don't have that money. You're spending that on your mortgage, your car, college like I am. Two out-of-state college tuitions, by the way. You're doing all that. You can only bet with what you have. Even Steve Mariucci. They're doing promos with Steve Mariucci saying, follow the plan. Mooch is going to join us live next week from L.A. for the Super Bowl.